When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming up on today's episode, we give our thoughts on the big Sean Monahan trade, including where the Jets go from here ahead of the playoff push coming out of the All-Star break. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it. And what an episode this might turn out to be. The big move by the Winnipeg Jets. Chevy wastes no time. I gotta get a center. I gotta get him now. And he finds a way to get it done, getting Sean Monaghan out of Montreal. Everybody's got their thoughts, and so do we. So we'll break that down for you guys, including now that the big move's been made, you know, what else should be up Chevy's sleeve ahead of the March 8th trade deadline? So we'll get into all of that, including maybe a quick look at the All-Star break, week, game, skills comp, all that stuff. And to do so with me once again is CJOB's Tyson Rowicki. Tyson, how are we doing today? Doing good. I know we were hoping we were hoping to get an emergency pot out on Friday, and this is the way way life's been going. The stars didn't line up, but I have been I've been bubbling. Let's just say that I've been bubbling since this. You, trade you look out. you look rabid. You look unwell. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because you're right. We did try to get an emergency one out there. Um, that that wasn't even close to happening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, again, turns out selling a house and then moving into one while a trade goes down isn't necessarily conducive to recording and all that. But I, I do find it interesting now, Tice, because I mean, it, it it's it feels like there's it feels like it. I guess it's just the way things are. Like you have different reactions right when something happens, and then you have a different reaction three, four, five days after that. So I kind of liked almost in a way that we're doing it a few days later because it's, you know, you can like almost take the emotional aspect out of it and we can just break down the move for what it is here. So let's start off with this, Tyson, a little thought exercise for you. In like one sentence, give me the, re- give me your reaction to the trade the second you found out, and then your reaction to the trade Monday, February 5th, now that you had a few days to ruminate. 
Well, my when I first saw that the trade went down, I had seen it like without the details announced yet. And um, my initial thought was, please don't be a first round pick. That was okay, my and, and then once you found out it was a first, what was your reaction? I don't like this trade. Okay, and, now and uh, nice. Now that it's February fifth, what's your reaction? I still don't like this trade. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I appreciate you standing on business at least. I, I can, I can, I can, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I'm kind of in a similar vein. You know, my, I, I can't lie. My initial reaction was, this is an overpay. And yeah, I, I didn't like the trade all that much when it first came down. Now that I've had a few days to think about it, I would probably say, I think the what, what best describes my thoughts on the deal is not a fan of it, but I understand the why behind it. I've, I've definitely come like more onto the positive side of the ledger after having a couple days to think about it than it was when it first happened. Um, so, I, hey, I, I guess that's the good thing. I've been really surprised, Tice, at the seemingly overwhelming positive reaction to this trade from Jets fans, which is great. I mean, like, and I kind of feel bad that I know there's going to be a little more of a negative slant on this uh, <laughs> in this episode. People people are probably going to be pretty hot after, after hearing... Our thoughts on it, I, I feel like at least, but like you have every right to be excited about it. And I mean, the big thing too is, and this is obviously what we're going to find out is we'll get a good sense of how the trade is probably a month from now. Um, but ultimately for me, Tyson, I've always felt this way is that if you're going to give up a first rounder for a rental in and around the deadline, it's it's got to be for for a difference maker. Like it's got to be for an impact player, and I I just don't think I don't think that's who Sean Monahan is at this point in his career. And to me, there's a lot of risk involved. We are giving up a first rounder for Sean Monahan, the way he's played at least with with Montreal. That that's my my big negative around the deal is that the Jets really are assuming a lot of risk here. Doesn't mean that the trade is not going to work out. It could end up being. Paul Stasny 2.0, right? It totally could. It's. I think that's a legitimate. I don't even think that's you know like a one in a hundred chance. Like I think it's a legitimate possibility. Um, could also turn out like the Kevin Hayes trade, with some injury risk boiled into it as well. So that's the element for me that I don't like. What I do like about it though is that Monahan's biggest strengths match the Jets' biggest weaknesses up front right now. And that, that to me, I, I, I like about this deal and the way that Chevy targeted it. Um, you know, the Jets are historically poor on face-offs. I think Monaghan's at 55% this year. So at least this year, he's been strong at the dot. Um, <laughs> and it's funny, too, because people are like, well, look at his power play numbers. Like, that's, that's the majority of his scoring this year. Good. <laughs> because guess what? The Jets' power play stinks. It stinks. So getting the good power play guy to potentially come in and kickstart that unit, that's a major, major positive there. And, I mean, the other part of it is going to be just, you know, finding a guy down the middle that Bones can trust. And the reason I say that is because if Bones trusts that second line, that means Nikolai Ehlers gets more minutes. And if Nikolai Ehlers gets more minutes, 
to me, that means the Winnipeg Jets are a successful hockey team. So tell me what you think, Tice, because I I, I, I definitely see both sides in this. Um, I don't love the amount of risk that's involved here from the Jets side of things, although I totally see the positives that Monaghan can bring and, and why the scouting staff was probably so high on him. Yeah, there's a couple – like, I don't hate the player, Sean Monaghan, in all this. Do you hate the person? No, well, I don't hate the person either. Okay, I, I thought. Okay, good. I thought you were going somewhere weird with that. <laughs> At this point, where he is, like, I don't mind the player that Sean Monahan is. What I don't like is the price tag. I just don't think he's worth a first round pick, and and I get that. I you know you hear all the well, you have to give it to get, and we saw the Canucks set the market where they go out and get Elias Lindholm and kind of. But to me, the Elias Lindholm trade package is a little worse than what Ryan O'Reilly got last year when he was the number one target at the trade deadline. And Ivan Barbashev gets moved for kind of a just an okay prospect. I'm looking more at the Barbashev type of return than I am the O'Reilly return, which I think is a fair assessment on the, on both of those on both of those players. I think Ivan Barbashev last year is closer to Sean Monahan. Which, which is funny because Barbashev had such a massive impact in O'Reilly right. and the Leafs, middling at, at, at least. Right, but it's just I, I really struggled to see. To me, this is kind of I don't want to call it a panic move because they needed to get a center, but this was kind of seeing that Lindholm trade go down and going, "Hey, I think we should go get a center right away and and really kind of knock this down early." Which I don't hate. It is a, I'm never going to hate on a GM for making a move too soon or too quick around the deadline because that's just such a fine line to, to play sometimes. You, you'd rather be too soon, to be honest, because yes. too, late, too late means nobody. <laughs> right. Yes, no, that's true. But like, it, it's it's a very fine line to walk when you're getting into like this part of the season where it's kind of difficult. You don't want to go right away because some teams might make players available. And that's sort of where I kind of see things is that I do think that once we get closer to the, to the deadline, I think that there's going to be more players available. Now, like you mentioned, you run the risk of not grabbing anyone at the end of all of these things, but I just find it really hard to, I just, if for a team that's going all in, I don't feel good about Sean Monaghan being the key acquisition. You know what I mean? I, and, and I would agree with that. And I think a lot of the positive people out there would, probably agree with that that they're it can't be the only move right right like if, if you got a like a stud to see then it's like we're good right but, uh, yeah I, I, think, I think people i think people would be upset or underwhelmed if it was just monahan and nothing else comes in right like if you're able to pull in a, a tanf type of defenseman for a yeah, second we'll, we'll get we'll get to that in just a right. second yeah, but yeah yeah let's just say something along those lines that makes the monahan trade a lot more easier to digest i think than what it is right now so i i'm gonna i will reserve some judgment there but this isn't sean monahan from four years ago or five years ago just two years ago when sean monahan was 27 the flames gave up a first round pick to get rid of him that's not a, it's not a like a promising sign he hasn't cracked sorry let me just double check this but yeah he hasn't cracked over 50 points and over five seasons now this season he, he probably will barring injuries but that's the whole point of this 
is that he's not the same player that he was five yeah. years ago because he suffered many, many injuries to the groin, to the hip area. Like it's just, it, it weighs on a player like that. So you're not getting the Sean Monaghan that you, that he was a couple of years ago. Now, is he still an effective player? Yes. I think he's a, he's a much smarter player now too. He's a, he's able to provide solid defensive play. I'm not going to say he's Patrice Bergeron or Sean Gattrier, but he can be adequate in his own end. He's going to help on the faceoff dot. That's for sure. And he is a, a decent weapon to add to that power play. But the power play is not, not working because they don't have a guy in the bumper. You know what I mean? Like there's there's the power play issues run a little bit deeper than I don't think Sean Monahan plugging Sean Monahan in the middle of the ice there is really going to change things. I, I yeah, just, that, that that's a fair point. I mean, I don't, I don't think the Jets can acquire a power play coach at the deadline. Right. So yeah. if, if the next best thing is just to, to put him in there, um, I, yeah, I'll, I'll be intrigued to see if there's a systemic change or anything like that. But that that sorry, I just wanted to add a one more thing. For me, if I'm if I'm going to give up a first round pick for a center, I don't want to just kind of be like, you know what, maybe we might be overpaying a little bit for Sean Monaghan, but we're going to get him. Let's just get it done. You're telling me if you go up to a couple teams that are on the bubble of the playoff hunt and you go, we'll give you a first in Brad Lambert for for one of your top centers. You don't think, you don't, you don't think there's a couple other teams that all of a sudden make some players available? Like that's, that's sort of what I'm, it seemed like this was a very rushed trade that happened just because there was a little bit of movement going on. Yeah. And, and this is the tricky part of it, right? Because I agree, I, yeah, like a panic move isn't the right term because I don't think the Jets panicked because I think they legitimately like like Sean Monaghan's game. But it was essentially, you know, this is fallback time and we just got to act now and get our guy, right? That, that That's clearly what the Jets did. I, I feel like for them it was Lindholm plan A, Monaghan plan B, Lindholm's gone, we got to move now. And you pay the price to get the deal done immediately which I actually don't mind in terms of it gives the addition a little more time to kind of wet in and, and, and get ready. But the, that that's going to be, I, I like, I feel like we have to wait until the deadline comes before you can also truly assess how this deal plays out because there very well could be one or two like big centers that become available and the jets aren't able to go after them and, and maybe Colorado or Boston or whoever else gets them. Right. That could easily play out that way, and it'll feel like, you know, a bit of a rush job by Chevy. But it could also turn out that the, the Lindholm and Monaghan were the best of the bunch, and the Jets acting early actually ended up working out for them pretty good because they they got the second best center available, right? So it, it, it's going to be tough to see. We'll have to wait and see. There, I, I'll, I'll I can I can under, but this is where it goes back to. I might not be the biggest fan of the trade, but I understand the reasoning behind it where you have holes, you know this guy can in some way help fix those holes with the strengths of his game, and you go out and you basically assure that you're getting a centerman up front to help for the playoff run. I, like, I, I can understand the, the logic and, and the reasoning behind it at the very least. Like For me personally, I would probably... I don't know. I, I I would go a second for Sean Monaghan and not Montreal second, Winnipeg second. And if it goes above that, then I'm out. Maybe a conditional pick, kind of like the Jets threw in there as well. Um, but obviously, the Jets feel very confident that 
with the system they have in place and with the coaching staff doing the job they have so far this year, that he's going to be insulated well and his weaknesses will be, I guess, corrected a little bit by the way the team plays, how strong they play, and that his strengths will just make this group even better down, down the stretch run. Um, so I can understand it. I, I I do get the trade. I'm just not the, the biggest fan in the world of the move. Um, th- Let's play a little hypothetical game. Please. You you saw some of the tweets mentioning Elias Lindholm and how the Jets may or may not have circled in on him before he ended up going to Vancouver. If we're playing like a guessing game of what we think the package was based on the Calgary one, do you think it'd be something like a first Nate Schmidt and like a Chaz Lucius? Um, because like uh, Bruce Dewich, he's kind of a boomer bust prospect as well. Lucius, you get the boomer bust, but it's more so if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, like I, yeah, like I, I follow or probably I follow more so than, than than Schmidt. I would think. Yeah, that's fair. But I also think Kuzmenko is a better asset than than Iafalo. So, but I, I would say like in the ballpark, like a first Iafalo and and Lucius probably matches pretty close to to what the other offer was. So let's add let's add another like third round pick to that deal. Would you rather trade a first and a conditional fourth for Monahan, or would you rather do that package for Lindholm? Yeah, I would rather do Lindholm. Yeah, that's fair. I I think that's kind of like where my, that's where I have troubles with the trade right now. It's just because I like I and it's I it's hard because I obviously I'm not an NHL GM. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like, I, it's there's a lot yeah, of and like the, for all we know, the Jets could have offered that, and yeah. Calgary's like we like we like the other prospect better, and that and, yeah. and we like the prospect in Kuzmenko better. Like, so that's kind of the tough part too. Where I I really I do think the Jets like kick the tires pretty intently on on Lindholm. It's just whether they didn't have enough or one team just likes another team's players better. It, it didn't work out. Um, and the Jets pivoted and they made a move. So it's, it, it will be very fascinating because Tyson, obviously, like in division, Colorado desperately is looking for a number two behind McKinnon. Boston is looking for a one or a two. <laughs> and there's probably a couple other teams out there that they wouldn't mind bolstering their center depth as well. So I'm going to be, I'm really intrigued to see who the big fish is going to be after these two. Probably isn't going to happen for a month. But that will um, that that might sway the tides of public opinion on the way that this deal is ultimately going to play out here. Um, you got one more one more point on Monahan? Yeah, I was just going to mention it's not as much on Monahan, but also, do you think like this is can be a little advantageous for a team like Colorado, where now they're kind of like, hey, kind of our two the two teams that we're going to be jockeying with for number two centers are out of the picture. You know, we can kind of sit back and see, like, we can kind of play the market here a little bit. That's the waiting. Yeah. Like, yeah. but that's part of the game, right? right. Like, I, I don't know. Because if if there is a stealth option available, that greatly tilts things in Colorado's favor. But there's also the chance the Evs leave the deadline walking away with nothing. So it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, though. I'll, I'm going to be intrigued. You know, like some of the names that are out there right now, you know, Scott Lawton, for example. I mean, Henrique. Henrique. 
I probably would like Monaghan over those. At, the, at least Monaghan is more has a higher ceiling than those two. Yeah. So I yeah yeah like just the options we've been hearing so far. I don't mind the Jets leaning towards Monaghan there. But it's going to be if there's one or two guys that kind of come out of nowhere, which there seemingly is every deadline that the Jets potentially might have missed out on by acting quickly on Sean Monaghan. Regardless of that, though, Tice, we don't know how that's going to play out. What we do know is Monaghan's here, centering Ehlers and Perfetti. The Jets now will turn their attention elsewhere. Let's start up front. Now that they've made the big move, would you like to see another move made to bolster the forward group? And is there a name or a profile or a target that you have in mind? I would up front, just because I think this team has such a legitimate chance of winning the Stanley Cup this year that I think if you can just bolster your depth in any way possible, I think you exhaust all options. And I think that there are a lot of guys that you can fall. And I'm not looking at guys like like Henrik adding an, another cent, like another pretty high price center in that regard. I'm more so looking at the Vlad Nemesnikov type of deals that you're going to be looking at. Seeing if you can pull out. Maybe there's a guy. I mean, the penalty kill has been doing much better lately. But maybe there's a guy that you can plug off that can be that can take some minutes away from some guys on the penalty kill unit that you would rather those guys playing at even strength or in other situations. Like I think that's something that I would wouldn't mind looking at. And also too, like guys are gonna get injured. It's just nice having capable NHLers ready to go, not just guys who are like, well, he's he's good enough to be an NHLer. Like you want guys who can fill in and your team really doesn't miss a beat with that injury. Now, I've, I've got some names up front that I'll, I'll, I'll throw your way in a little bit. But let's just go to the back end quickly. Because it seems like the big thing now is to be all in on the Chris Tanev to Winnipeg trade. Yay or nay on, on Tanev, Tice? Would that be would that be where, like, number one target gets set now? I think if, if they did Tanev for Montreal second, I would be okay with Probably that. Probably what it would be, I think. I think I think I could soak that. I'd be okay with that. And so, how would you grade that deadline? Monahan and Tan have come in for a first and a second. We'll just say I give it a B minus. Ooh, like not too many B minuses. There's there's C pluses and, and Bs. I I like that. I I'd be I would be pretty happy. I I'm I'm a pretty big Chris Tana fan, you know, and I wonder how the team would. I wonder. I wonder how the D pairs would change, Tice. Like it would. I mean, I, I would think you'd go Morrissey Tanev, but then does Dylan Demello slot all the way down to the third pair? You, right. Like I. It's interesting. I, I wonder. I wonder how they. I wonder how the Jets feel. Do you? I, I like. I like Demello and Morrissey together too much. So then you would go what Dylan and Tanev. Uh, yeah. The only thing is, like, and that's the the tricky part is fit wise, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if he can play like righty lefty. Like putting him with Pionk would like if if that would work. Like Morrissey, Demello, Pionk, Tanev. Maybe you can move Pionk to the left side instead, just because he. Yeah, has that yeah. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't know how either one would fare on their offside. But I do, I don't know. I mean, I, I look, I like Morrissey DeMello too, Tice, but Morrissey Tanev is pretty 
That's, I think that's too tempting to pass up. That and you would feel really, really good going up against any line as dangerous as Colorado and Dallas and and even Edmonton, right? Like some of the the, the big guns in the in the West. I'd, I'd feel pretty good having Morrissey Tanev out there against pretty much anyone. And then, I mean, on top of it, one of the better PK defensemen in hockey. So I mean, yeah. he's yeah, Get, getting Chris Tanev would uh, would only be a benefit in every single way. I, I've seen people mention Sean Walker too, Tice. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. I've not, it's the same sort of thing, though. Like, I just don't know if I if it's worth that price tag. I personally would would go Tanev or nothing. Yeah, I agree. I think Sean I, Walker. It's it's just a, you're doing. It's almost a lesser version of the Monahan trade, in my opinion. Where it's like I I like Sean Walker. I like the way he plays the game. He's kind of fallen off a little bit. He had a really good start. He's kind of tailed off a tad bit over the past month or so. But it's just, I, I don't know, giving up premium assets for a guy that I'm not totally sure is that much of an upgrade over a guy like DeMello. Yeah, I think the only way for me is if he's like a Pionk replacement and like Pionk, Pionk got hurt, right? Like I, Because I, yeah. I think they play really similar styles. Now... But- what? Now let's let's say if we Chevy kind of gets a little ballsy, oh no, and he says, "Hey, Danny, Danny Briere," that, that does sound like Chevy. That's a good Chevy impression. <laughs> how about how about we toss Lawton and Walker in a deal? Oh and yeah, we that. you give us your first Just next ridiculous. year. It's so ridiculous. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you give us your first next year and a little something else. We'll call it a deal. I think that's a. I think that's a solid deal for both teams. That would be. That, that would be crazy. I mean, how could you not get jacked up if, if the Jets pulled something like that off? I I like I like Scott Lawton. I like having Scott Lawton on my team more than the idea of giving up high end assets to get him. Yeah, I agree. So I yeah, I personally, I would I would like the Jets to stay away from that. But I mean, Lawton Walker is just so hilarious. Like, let's just do it. Let's just go nuts. Let's trade everything. <laughs> trade everything and find a way to make it happen. Um. <laughs> As far as potential ads up front, Tyson, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind adding another winger to the fold. Um, let me throw some names at you that I got here, and I'll see if if any of these are are, are tickling your fancy. Okay, tickle Probably the least exciting one. There is potential, though. I'm looking at Washington. Anthony Mantha doing anything for you? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> um, how about how about this though? I kind of forgot he was there on the line with Anthony Mantha. Max Pacioretty. I I just don't feel comfortable putting that much uh stock into Monaghan and Pacioretty as our ads up front. Yeah, that's like, you're, there's a decent <laughs> amount of injury risk on that line for sure. But I'm I'm really interested in what the cost would be on Patch Ready. He's just such an interesting player because he really hasn't had like I don't want to judge him on how he's been this year so far because he's been like you he's been playing that's amazing. Yeah, like exactly. Like you tear your Achilles twice, you're you are not gonna be the same player that you were when before those injuries. So I want to give him a little bit a little bit of time and I just I mean I don't watch a crazy amount of Washington games either, so I can't like Give you a full on breakdown of him, but if he's if he's like fifty percent of the player that he was, 
before the injuries, he's a very worthwhile addition to a team. It just depends on what that value is. I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I don't know either. But I kind of like guys in that mold where maybe it's like a mid to late round pick. Yeah. But you can get a ton of value out of them. So I'll I'll keep my eye on patches. I've watched every Caps game this year, Tice. He's amazing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Next, I, I... this one might it would be tricky to work under the cap, but I really like the player, and I think fit would be nice too. Um, but Jakob Silverberg out of Anaheim, pending UFA, but he makes a shade over five mil. He's a great player. I like. I feel like Silverberg's been one of the more underrated players over the past. Yeah, he's like thirty three ish now. You know, he's not the guy that he was a few years back, but like that's a nice bottom six addition. When you can get somebody that's like scored close to 30, I think a few times and he's, he's been to a couple conference finals, I think with the ducks as well. I, I, yeah, again, all depending on price in terms of retention and then the asset going back the other way. But I, I, I'm, I yeah, I wouldn't mind Silverberg coming to Winnipeg. The that's final. Like a, oh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say it quickly. That's a, that's a Nino 2.0 trade. That's probably like, a, yeah. Nino light. Yeah. It's Nino light. Um, the final team. I just got. I can't quit the Seattle Kraken trade dream, Tyson. I just keep going back to the well with the Kraken. Um, but one of those, and this would be I, the reason I like this potential guy is that the cost I think would be really, really minimal. Um, what about Tomas Tatar? Picked up on? Was he picked up on waivers, or was it just a cap now for Seattle? I, I think. Um, I think Colorado moved him for a fifth. Right, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's actually got, I mean, he's only playing 12 minutes a night and he's on pace for like 30 points this year. I mean, again, this isn't like a major needle mover trade, but like if you can get him for a mid to late round pick, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. I mean, he's only got one and a half on the cap. I I, I might, I might just kind of nibble around there. Especially for a team with some power play issues. Now the big one, Tyson. Uh-oh. And this would only work if <laughs> this would only work if the Jets don't add a defenseman as well. But I mean, if you wanted to go, if you wanted to go big, 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 and you wanted to stick with Seattle, you know, Captain Canada himself is a pending UFA. Would you like to see Jordan Eberle in Winnipeg? Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't mind Everly. He's a game player. Yeah, even in the the playoffs last year, like obviously, like there's a history with him being that clutch player. But like in the playoffs last year, he was getting a little chippy. Like it wasn't just it wasn't just uh you know skilled Everly playing. Like he show he was showing a little little bit of spunk in his game. Yeah, well he's he's 33, Tyson. He's sick and tired. He's probably not getting any sleep at home. His kids are keeping him up. He's got these idiot youngsters on Colorado slash he's just I can't deal with it 11 points in 14 games for the Kraken last year in the postseason and then we all know obviously I mean even earlier in his career and then Team Canada but I I think now now that the center thing is done and and dusted it's time to manifest Jordan Everly to Winnipeg I think that's where I'm pushing my energy in (laughs) I'm I'm all on board with that too let's get Ebbs into Winnipeg cheap Beverly, Ehlers, Stanley Cup. 
<laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't, think of, I couldn't think of something clever there. I, that, was just, that wasn't very good. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. The Jets now have a little over a month to make an addition or two, knowing that they've uh, solidified their depth down the middle with Sean Monahan coming to town here. And we'll get our first crack at it, Tyson, on uh, Tuesday night as the Winnipeg Jets get back from the break on the road against those dastardly Penguins. Interesting game because the Penguins are, like, fighting for their lives. And what they do at the deadline is fascinating, too, because they're all in on getting to the playoffs, but they're not in the playoffs, and they're old as hell, so what do you do? <laughs> but we'll get our first glimpse of uh, Monaghan and the Jets uh, Tuesday against Pittsburgh and then on the road again uh, in Philadelphia on Thursday night. Um, quickly, Tice, All-Star Weekend wrapped up in Toronto. You big fan of the skills comp? Yeah, I, I think there's going to be – I think it's going to be good. And I, I kind of thought of an idea for the skills comp to get, to remove any chance of having any more Nikita Kucherov situation. Oh, gosh. I, 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 I could I, – I would love to go on a 10-minute rant, but I can hear – my name being called downstairs. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll just say quickly, my idea for the skills comp is you have your captains, but you only have four and it's a relay. And the four Ooh. captains draft their, draft their teams Interesting. and they pick, and they pick a guy for each event and they can draft anyone in the league. Interesting. So, so okay. it's like a dunk contest almost. And you're bringing in like whoever, like, let's just say a guy comes in and he's like, for hardest slot, I'm gonna go with Gudis. And for fastest, <laughs> like, like it's just that sort of thing. And I Racco, think that if, if your plan has Racco Gudis at the All-Star game, I am all in. <laughs> <laughs> but on, and I think that's a good way. Maybe you up the payout a little bit. So you're able to get distribute that out a little bit evenly. And some of those guys are gonna be going for like that could be like their contract worth in a year. Well, that's that's guys. what the NBA does, right? Where they get like specialists. Yeah, because for the most part, it's not the actual all stars. So yeah, it's obviously a little different because it's the NBA. But I, I'm down for any kind of experimenting as long as the way they did it on Friday is how they do it moving forward. Yeah. Like I like the the pacing was good. I mean, I, hey, if you get all the stars to do it, even better. Um, there were some big wins. There were some horrific misses. Um, I mean, for the most part, the pat the, the one timer event was atrocious. Yeah, um, but whatever. I try things out. I don't care. That's fine. Just yeah. don't do it again. Uh, <laughs> the passing thing wasn't all that great either. Nikita Kucherov. I, I there is nothing I hate more in sports than the two cool for school athletes, and these guys sometimes maybe need just like a a dose of reality, a splash of cold water in their face. You have a life and a job and money that people can only dream of. And for you to act that way in front of, I mean, I don't know, what are the 20,000 fans there? I mean, there probably wasn't that many people watching. Hundreds of thousands of people watching. I, I just hate the big time stuff when, when athletes do that. I don't care if he was out till 10 a.m. the previous day and he could barely get out on the ice. The very least you could do is put out an effort. And I just I oh I despise when athletes do stuff like that. Like I just yeah, I'm I'm too big for the all-star game. I have one cut. Then don't go. Then stay home. Like just just go away. If you're not gonna take it seriously, just go away. So I I I, I can't I cannot stand 
no effort showings like that. Um, yes, it's just the all-star game. Yes, this, yes, this, yes, this. But like it's such a small part of your job. And nobody's asking you to do, you know, man makers over the course of two and a half hours. It's just like actually show the tiniest bit of effort and passion for your job and for the people that essentially pay your salaries too. Um, thankfully, Leafs fans made some noise for the first time this year and booed the hell out of them every time he stepped on the ice. But that was, I just can't, yeah, that was such a travesty to the game. And I, I love Kucherov on the ice. Like, he's a great player, but, like, you're not Ovechkin, man. Like, you won one cup. You won a, you, has he even won a heart? Two cups and a heart. Yeah, two cups. Well, like, you're not Ovechkin. I mean, yeah, he's a Hall, look, he's a Hall of Famer. I, yeah. just, I just hate when athletes do stuff like that. Like, it just, it bothers me so much. There's such a level of entitlement that I, I just I can't I'm so, I, I can't get behind. I'm sorry. And they're just, offering to give you another million dollars if you win. Like it's not like it's an it's not like in years past where there was like, there was like no incentive really. Like you you can get a million dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I, I just I, I really dislike that. Um, but the my favorite part I think was I mean the relay or the obstacle course at the end was cool. I love that McDavid designs it and then wins it. I guess just the the <laughs> biggest the biggest scam of all time. But the um, the one on one with the goalies that's got to stay in some in some way or form. It's that's it's a long minute. You know, I I can understand if Kucherov slowed it down at the end of that one. Like maybe they have to tweak it a little bit. But having the guys go up against the goalies one on one, the goalies can win some money too. That, that I think that was the like the biggest. Okay, we gotta. This is like the new dunk contest for for the nhl we got to keep that one in um but yeah all in all pretty good success nhl doesn't market it very well because I, I i missed it friday and saturday both the skills and the games i didn't know they were on so <laughs> i didn't know there was a draft so I, hey maybe next time let people know that something's going on i had to pbr it um but at least with the skills comp big 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 step in the right direction there i think i think that's going to be a I think that's going to be a really, a really big money maker for the league, and a nice way to kind of maybe slowly get some of these players out of their shells. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for the episode here. Let's cap it off, and uh, let's get ready for some actual hockey ties. About we'll time. Some, yeah, it's a, it's about damn time. We'll talk some game action on uh, our next episode at the end of the week, Friday morning, breaking down the games on the road against the Penguins and the Flyers. Sean Monahan's. First two matchups wearing a Winnipeg Jets jersey. We'll get into all that when we get back at it. Until then, though, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. Like I said, we'll be back at it Friday morning, breaking down Jets, Penguins, Jets, Flyers. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe and have a great time, everybody. Peace.